Welcome in to the latest episode of Think Fast. This is now our third episode, and today we have another uh, hot topic, which is that of transgenderism and gender dysphoria. And just to introduce, briefly introduce um, this topic, of course, this is something everybody is very familiar with. They may not be as familiar with how much this is, is really become a big part of the culture and a big issue in the culture. Um, and, and many psychologists are calling it rapid onset gender dysphoria. Lisa Littman of Brown University coined the term uh, because most of the kids announce that they are trans in a way that seems quite sudden to their parents and counselors. Uh, and, and to speak to the problem, this is a great book called Embodied by Preston Sprinkle. Um, and he says, Tavistock Center in London, the main gender clinic in the United Kingdom, treated 51, which is 34 males, 17 females, children and teenagers in 2009 who had gender dysphoria or were identifying as trans, 51. 2016, the same clinic saw 1,766 children and teenagers. 2019, it saw 2,364 children and teenagers identifying as trans or struggling with gender dysphoria, um, more than 5,000% increase, um, specifically among the females in 10 years. This is exploding, and sometimes we don't always know what to say about it, what to do. We actually just recorded an entire podcast on this that dropped last night, so please go check that out. Uh, hour-long discussion on what do we do about this. We, we've been discussing gender for the last little while, and so we dropped the podcast. Again, please check that out, but we did not get to everything that we wanted to get to because we wanted to leave what I think is one of the most important parts for this, for a brief discussion and that is on this idea of pronouns and names. What are we to do? This is something that we hear about quite a bit. We get a lot of questions about this, specifically as preachers and, and here at Focus Press. What should we do with pronouns? Do we use the pronouns that they want? Do we use the names that they want? And so, fellas, I'm going to open it up to you. What do you have to say about pronouns in the gender dysphoria and transgenderism realm? So at church just yesterday uh, i've been preaching on some of these things we've been doing on the podcast gender male female the roles and all that and uh, i just made an aside about transgenderism and afterwards one of uh, the ladies at church she works in the school system as an administrator her husband works in it as rotc she said we're dealing with this every day we're getting memos sent of such and such kid uh, his parents just sent in and said he's not a boy anymore he's a girl he changed his name she and her rather than he and him um it just talked about it and it keeps happening over and over as you said this rapid uh onset and and the statistics you said of how it's growing and they're seeing this all the time and what she said is this is a thing where our livelihoods might be at stake if we go in and say no you're him you are he you, you this is your name you're a boy you're not a girl i'm not indulging that might lose their jobs uh might lose their their entire livelihood another member uh, chimed in and said yeah my wife and her work memos have been going out about recognizing the different genders and non-binary and, and all of these things that you do and uh, i mean i think it it's going to sweep corporate culture across america that if you work in anything but you know the local mom and pop you're going to be subjected to this stuff and so uh with the question uh, we want to look at the pros and the cons, the yes and the no, what what are the arguments on both sides? That's what we try and do in these Think Fast things, is look through them quickly and give answers on, on what we're supposed to do. And so, uh, Will, why don't you start us off on why not? Why not use somebody's preferred pronouns when they when a man comes in and says, I'm she and her, or a woman comes in and says, I'm he and him? Why not go along with that? Sure. And I want to save the... Um 
question that you just brought up as far as the the, the particular scenario of hey I'm, I might lose my job if I don't capitulate to this uh, I you know for this particular question I want to take it to just your average uh, individual your average churchgoer what is our response you know when somebody you know is has transitioned or is trying to transition and wants to switch pronouns and wants you to uh, again kind of come out and capitulate to that as far as again like you just said calling he a she she a he what do we do? And it's a tough situation because, you know, on the one hand, a lot of people, and I'll, I'll let Joe or whoever else get into this, you know, you have the defense of, well, you know, you want to be kind to him. You want to make sure and not drive him away. You want to be nice to him. At the end of the day, for us as New Testament Christians, when it comes down to the question of what do we do surrounding pronouns, if somebody is struggling with this and then somebody has, has chosen this lifestyle, how do we respond? There really is no way around the fact that if you choose to go along with their quote unquote preferred pronouns. If, if you've got a man who is, you know, cross-dressing and, and transitioning to a woman and he wants you to refer to him as she and him or she and, and her, if you capitulate to that, there's, you know, again, no way around the fact that you are basically condoning a lie. You are condoning something that is not true. It'd be no different than if you are, you know, in the presence of somebody who is a homosexual and they're married to, you know, two women that are married and you put your stamp of approval on their marriage, you acknowledge their marriage as legitimate. We know from God's word, a marriage between two women or a marriage between two men is illegitimate. It's not legitimate in the eyes of God. It's the same thing here. If God designed a certain individual to be a man, if God designed a certain individual to be a woman, for that individual to try to go and change that, to try to pervert that and, and, and say, well, you have to call me by my preferred pronoun, which is the opposite of what I was designed to be. We are, we are adding legitimacy to something that God has not designed. And I think that's the number one, obviously, reason uh, for why we as Christians don't really have any business capitulating to those requests. It's also, I would say, number two, it's the first step down a road that where does it end? If I accept the pronouns now, what else do I accept? Well, is that loving? Is that not? What else do I accept? What else do I accept? Well, so when we given start, ground that when you try to convert them, you've got to take back ground. You've got to go back and correct. Right. You've got to go back and undo stuff that you've already right. set in place. Yeah. And I'd say the third, just to briefly introduce this, um, the third reason I would say is, does it not kind of go along and, and capitulate to the delusion that is it? more loving to continue with the delusion than to say, Hey, this is not appropriate. This isn't right. This isn't, this isn't good. This isn't you. Uh, we're, we're kind of, again, we're going along with what I would consider to be more of a, um, uh, an identity issue and with the delusion that they can change something that God has given them intrinsically. Well, and we brought up the statistics in the previous podcast episode of how this mindset, how this movement is literally driving young people towards suicide. It's driving people towards ending their life. And so to your point, Joe, for one of us to add to that delusion by using their preferred pronouns in a way that kind of confirms something that is not true and, again, can drive them even closer to these just awful things, the, the, these suicidal rates that are, again, spiking when it comes to people that are struggling with this. So I think we can all, we all agree the pronouns, we should not use the pronouns because I think it would be a lie. I think it would be um, with going along with the delusion. And I think it's taking a very dangerous step down a road that we don't know where it ends. What would you say about names? Should we use somebody if, if he wants, if he's Jimmy and he wants to be Susie tomorrow, do we call him Susie? What are your guys' thoughts on the names? 
I think that one is less of a, a direct concern because it's you're, you're not folding reality about around the person. You know, people have nicknames. They'll come up and say, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm like, why am, why am I calling you that? That's kind of weird, you know? But it, it's the name that they've adopted for themselves, the nickname. Um, and so accepting that and, and using a name, even if it is a male, you know, female name, it is a legal name, especially a lot of times they've gone and legally changed it. That's their name. And, and of course, not that legal um, justifies it. With There's a lot of things that are legal that are not justified. But it's not accepting that they are a woman. It's not accepting that they are a man. It's accepting the name that they want to be called by. I do think categorically it is a little different than the pronoun issue. I think categories is exactly it. This is an individual category. Pronouns are a societal category. You are choosing to to be in the category of men. You're not a man. Names are, I mean, we we have nicknames for um, call our sister Charles. She's Rachel, and you know, it's a it's a kind of play on words. I don't even know where it came from. Something that we've done for a long time. I'm sure it um, came just from Jack. A, I'm sure it did. He's the the nickname King. Where he got it from, I don't know. It's kind of an anagram or whatever of of Rachel, but just stuck for whatever reason. It's kind of a joke. We use it sometimes. Um, I, I don't, names are names. They can be changed, I think, based on individual purposes. So no, I think for the names, I, I'm okay. Personally, I think I'm okay with using somebody's name, but not the pronouns because of the categories. But I'll ask you another question. Let's, let's steel man this, right? Let's use theirs and say, what are they what are their approaches to this and, and how are they trying to convince us that we should use the pronouns? And there's what I would consider maybe more of the lame approach. And that is, um, which I'm not steel manning if I'm already calling it lame, but language can be changed. It can be massaged into what we want. We see lang- language change all the time in culture. Things that used to mean um, one thing can mean another, even gay used to mean happy. Now it means homosexual. Uh, you, you, we call people guys, right? I use that all the time. That's, I guess, a Midwestern thing, maybe, to just say guys. They say y'all down here in Tennessee. Um, guys is is guys and girls, of course. Uh, they also, with the idea, of, um, you can call somebody they. We say, hey, they are doing this. What's well, one person? So can we use different pronouns? Like, I prefer they as my pronoun. We're already doing that to a certain extent. What would you guys say to that? On the matter of language kind of changing over time, yeah, but the foundational structures of language are in place. And it's really funny that, like, you can kind of get away with this in English. In other languages, there's no shot. I mean, everything in Spanish is gendered. Uh, like just everything that the, the car is, you know, it's, it's male, like that male or female pronoun, or everything comes back to that. And so we can play with that a little more in English than, uh, other languages can. And so it, it is really a foundational thing that we're getting away from. And I, I don't think that argument holds water that there's nothing really to this language is changing. And because what you're accepting again, comes back to the individual, the individual doesn't get to decide, you know, what language means I could call you guys, you know, certain names and, and you could get really offended i'd be like oh no no i mean it as a, a term of affection well i individuals don't get to you know figure these things out all the time and those so, are set in place by society right right they're right you know right. you know if if i walk in with a slice of pizza and i'm like you guys want a burger well, oh well language changes all the time so i decided it's going to be this it, it doesn't work that way yep both yep. of those sound delicious by the way right now uh well you mentioned this Here's the other argument. Wouldn't it be more loving right. to 
it's, it's a matter of respect. It's a matter of love. We're trying to win the person to Christ. We're trying to get them out of this. And if the least we can do is just to call them by the gender that they want to be called, wouldn't that get our foot in the door for Christ as opposed to getting it slammed in our face? Because we can't, we won't show them the respect that they, that they're asking of us. So we start on the foot of disrespect. Therefore they will shut the door on Christ. Well, what would you say to that? Two things on that. One, uh, as Christians, obviously we are called to speak the truth. We are called to speak the truth in love, but we are still called to speak the truth. And what that doesn't mean is bend the truth, kind of change the truth, or maybe hide the truth, you know, in order to be loving. That's not what that means. Uh, You guys have already brought up the fact that, you know, let's say you do end up converting that individual to Christ. And now all of a sudden you got to change the pronouns. Now all of a sudden they can no longer be transgender. You're going to have to kind of, you know, come out in one position and then backtrack and, and undo work you've already done again. Take the um, the homosexual marriage example. Are we seriously willing to say that you know, well, we need to go ahead and allow two men to be married to each other, you know, condone it, act like it's fine. But then after we convert them to Christ, they're going to have to go back and undo everything. It just again, a lot of people are under the misunderstanding that to be loving means to, again, not speak the truth, to be nice to people or to be kind to people. That's not what being loving is. Being loving is telling somebody what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear, as we've discussed in in numerous other episodes. And our culture has connected the idea of agreement with respect. If you agree with me, that's the only way you respect me. And that's not true. Right. There's plenty of people I respect. I can respect a lot of people politically or, or even in with religion. And I disagree with them. I respect them. I respect their study of the scriptures. Doesn't mean I agree with them. And I think that's something we need to start pushing back on a little bit is, look, I, I can fully accept that you are a human worthy of love. You are a, a created by God. There's a natural respect and value that God gives you that nobody can take away. Well, so let's, let's, come let's bring Jesus into it. Jesus with the woman at the well. He didn't go, yeah, no, no, it's, it's perfectly cool. I mean, he just, hey, yeah, you've been with a lot of guys, haven't you? With the woman, <laughs> you know, caught in adultery, he said, go and sin no more. At no point was he like, let's soften the message, let's get them in the door, and then we'll we'll come around to it. He was straightforward with it. And and when right. it, the question here is, do we really think that sin enslaves? Do we really mm. think that sin is a cancer that kills? Because if it is, we don't hide that from people and let them go along with it. And, you know, that we're not out there just blasting and, and making people do exactly what we want them to do. But on the other hand, if we're not going to tell them, hey, those chains that are around your neck dragging you down are, are chains that you should take off, we're not helping them. Well, hmm. well and we're making the, the false equivalency between tolerance and love. Tolerance does not equal love, no matter how much society or culture wants to do that. I mean, there are all kinds of behaviors. You know, set transgenderism aside for just a second. There are all kinds of behaviors that we don't need to tolerate as Christians. Are we going to be called unloving because we don't tolerate those? You know, again, a lot society wants us to kind of pick and choose which ones we need to be tolerant of. According to God's word, tolerance does not equal love, first of all. And second of all, to truly love somebody is, again, not to be tolerant of their behavior, but to point out where it's wrong and why it's wrong, according to the Bible. We can do that in a very, very loving way. But we get back to... We get back to, look, these are real world problems. It's very easy to, we can have this discussion here almost academically, right? Um, Wow, this is is easy. But to your point, Jack, and I want you to speak a little more on this. This is somebody, two people at your church that are specifically mentioning this. Look, this is real world for people. It's, it's, we're not living in a vacuum. This is not something we're covering now. And it's like, well, this might get back. We're here. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, again, livelihoods are on the line. And this is not going to 
slow down. It's not going to just go away. This is where we are. Corporate culture, again, is is sending these memos out to people and saying this is how you have to talk. This is how you have to address them. Um, and so this question has been asked to me. What do we do? Uh, our, our livelihoods are on the line. Well, number one, uh, as we've just said, don't indulge them. Uh, especially, you know, they're working in the education sector. Indulging these kids in this, which again, the numbers tell us alone that there's not that many people who are actually dealing with gender dysphoria. There's a popularity element to it, right? That, you know, kids that used to be anorexic, kids that used to get into other trouble, kids that used to, you know, there's always an attention factor for kids at that age. An identity. They're trying to find an identity. That's what teenagers do. And so now it's finding your role on the LGBT spectrum, you know, I'm, I'm somebody there, therefore I've got value, I've got attention, I've got, you know, notice along those lines. And so indulging that, again, with the suicide rate that was mentioned earlier and, and the depression rate and the mental health, I mean, just all of the things that go along with it. And you've got doctors, you've got parents, you've got people rushing people into surgery, rushing people into hormonal treatments, things that really mess them up for life. And, we would be helping play a role in that if we went along with it and we said, okay, that's what you are. Yeah, you are a girl. Um, And so that's a stand to take. Um, I was asked, so do we quit our jobs? Do we do we just walk out and say, no, uh, my advice on that is make them fire you. And I know this is stuff that you can look at and go easy for you guys to say. You're in ministry jobs. You're, you know, separate from this. You're not in these corporate corporate cultures. And that's true. I, I don't want to underestimate that and say this is easy for me, but I also think it's the right thing, which takes me to the other side of it, of persecution has arrived. We've been talking about this for years. Brad here at Focus Press has been talking about it for over a decade. Persecution is coming in the form of all this stuff. It's here. It's now at the point where if you say a man is a man and a woman is a woman, you're not a man, you're a woman, you're not a woman, you're a man, you're not he, you're she. If you hold the line on those things, you might lose your job. You might, you know, get sued. You might have all of these difficulties that arise from it. That's persecution. And so it's time for the church to step up and say, what are we going to do with this? And I am going to say, I really think churches need to start considering financially how if, if one of our members takes a stand and loses their job, we, we need to be ready to carry them. We are standing up for the right and we're putting our money where our mouth is. And don't think that clergy is not going to deal with it. Go to the north, look at Canada. This is hate speech up there. They're already getting put in prison for these things. That's coming here. Oh, and you're a therapist. You know, conversion in states. If if somebody comes to you and says, I I deal with this, I don't want to, homosexuality, transgenderism, and you counsel them out of it, there are states where you will be severely punished. I'm licensed in Colorado. That is one of those states where it will be illegal for me to do that. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, it's here. Persecution is here. We have to decide to take a, a firm stance and we say, is this a big deal? Yeah, these things are a big deal because again, this is the the tipping point here. We accept the the pronouns, we accept things like that. Next thing you know, look, we've we have to take a stand somewhere. This has been coming for a long time. It's time that the church gets on top of it. We get educated about it. Again, uh Preston Sprinkle embodied. Uh, the book is a good start. I don't agree with everything he says, but but it's a good start to just educate yourself start educating yourself on these topics to better understand how do we serve the youth in our church how do we help those who are in it how do we continue to be loving but also stand for truth um with that fellas unless you got anything else to say once uh, again plug the podcast think deeper uh an hour we did an hour on things revolving around this and so for the introduction to it all and all that we specifically wanted to zero in on this question in this um think fast episode but check out the podcast as well absolutely All right, with that, we're going to wrap up. Thank you for tuning in to Think Fast.